did that. I was, uh, got a little bit tickled. The earth shall soon dissolve like snow. Is that happening today and this next week? Because it uh, sure feels like it. So we need to pray for <laughs> campers as they go to camp. The other thing I thought about, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And it talked about when trials and those things um, surround us. And I uh, got a little choked up as I thought about some people that I know and trials that they're going through. And you know my high school friend with ALS. Um, I, I don't know how in the world he, he does it, but he keeps such a good attitude. And so glad to have the couches with us. And I thought about Frank and everything that he's going through and some of what you all are going through that's lasted for years. And yet you find that when you... Um, Feel like you've hit the bottom. As somebody said, I've been there, and here's the good news. For the believer, there's solid rock down there. And the Lord is with us wherever we go and whatever we do. Um, so tonight, I had uh, kind of envisioned, since this is our, uh, more of our outreach emphasis on uh, Sunday night, of uh, being able to do more hands-on stuff and active stuff, but it's just way too hot out there. And then the Lord put some things on my mind. I want to speak to the introverts tonight. It is hard if you were an introvert. Now you extroverts, you can talk to anybody, anytime, anywhere, about just about anything. And I hope you're using that because that is a, a blessing from the Lord uh, to be able to do that. And I hope you're using that for His glory. Some of you need to step it up and make sure you're not just being friendly and making new friends, but tell them about Jesus. Take the opportunity to do that. But for those of us who are a little bit more introverted, uh, we need a little bit of help. And the Lord brought this passage to mind, so turn to uh, Acts chapter 16. You know, we pray, Lord, use me, but we've got to be available and we've got to recognize when he is opening doors. He uh, said to one of the churches in the first part of Revelation, I'm going to set before you an open door that no man can shut. I think also we need to pray for God to shut doors that no man can open as well. We want to be in the right place at the right time. And the good news is, knowing what we know about the doctrines of grace and the sovereignty of God, we know this, it's not dependent upon us. I used to be afraid because I'd say, I could never close the sail or draw the net as they taught us when I was younger. And uh, I'm very glad to say to you, that is not your job. That is the Holy Spirit's job. But your job is to obey Christ and share the gospel. And so uh, I thought about what all happened to the Apostle Paul and what all he was involved in. Some of these are about him. Some of these are about the situation that he was in. And yet uh, they resulted in a church being planted in a town called Philippi. Now, this was an intentional thing. Paul had heard the Macedonian call. You remember reading about that, and he ends up in Philippi. This is when the gospel is first brought to Europe. And from Europe, of course, on over to uh, North America and places like that. And so uh, this is quite strategic, but it doesn't seem like it, and it doesn't really, in a way, feel like it. And that's something that we have to get into our hearts. God's working even when we can't see it, even when we don't understand it. And uh, when we're going through some times that are just kind of tough, it's not all sunshine and lollipops when we are serving the Lord. It's certainly not all bad either. I don't mean to imply that. And so uh, Paul 
in uh, response to the Macedonian call, is going to make his way to Philippi. Okay, so in Acts chapter 16, I'm going to start reading in verse 11, and I hope you'll stay up with me and not read somewhere else. I hope it's not too bad tonight, but uh, stay with me. Okay, verse 11. Got it? If you do, say amen. Okay, therefore, sailing from Troas, we ran straight, a straight course to Samothrace, and the next day came to Neapolis. That always sounds like ice cream to me for some reason. And uh, verse 12, and from there to Philippi. And the, uh, Paul, or actually Luke, describes this as the foremost city of that part of Macedonia, a colony. Now this is in Greece, okay? And uh, Philippi is named, and the region is named after a man named Philip of Macedon. Okay, Macedonia, Macedon, Philip, Philippi. Uh, this guy, the reason he would be important and get that kind of thing named after him, he was the father of, maybe you've heard of Alexander the Great. And so this is a very important city. And it goes on and Luke says that it was the foremost city there and it was a colony. In fact, it's described more as a miniature Rome. It had the rights of Rome, some of the governmental qualities of Rome, and uh, the privileges of Rome. Very, very, very Roman in this situation, which is important. And it says, and we were staying in that city for some days. Now this brings us to touch point number one. If I want to share Christ with people and I want to get involved in their life, here's number one. And this is where Paul starts. And he did this regularly in other places. Touch point number one, spiritual interest and heritage. Spiritual interest and heritage is how you fill in those blanks. Now, what did Paul do when he got to Philippi? Well, it was his custom whenever he went somewhere, he would go straight to the synagogue. He would identify with the Jewish community. He would identify with their Old Testament prophecies and scriptures and then show how Christ had fulfilled that. Okay? And uh, yet in Philippi, we find that there's a problem. In order to have a synagogue somewhere, there had to be 10 men who were heads of household in order to form a synagogue. Apparently in Philippi, there weren't even that many uh, men who were heads of household. And so what did they do? It became the custom of the Jews when you couldn't have a synagogue to meet by the sea or to meet by a river and have times of worship and times of prayer. That appears to be what is happening here. Look at verse 13. And on the Sabbath day we went out of the city to the riverside where prayer was customarily made. And we sat down and spoke to the women who met there. Now a certain woman named Lydia heard us. And she was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira. That's a, one of the seven letters to the churches in Revelation is to Thyatira who worshiped God. See the connection there? She's worshiping a worshiper of God. Now, she doesn't understand everything. She doesn't know the gospel. She doesn't know about redemption and that type of thing. But she, does, uh, she is one who is worshiping or attempting to worship uh, the Lord. Now, reading on, it says, The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. The gospel, in other words. And when she and her household were baptized, she begged us, 
Luke is writing this, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. So she persuaded us. Okay? Spiritual heritage and interest. Now, not everybody has a spiritual heritage. But a lot of people do, especially in this part of the country. You talk to people and you strike up a conversation and you ask them about their background and maybe they tell you a little bit of their story and it's always easy around here to say, did you ever go to church? Did you ever go to Falls Creek? Did you ever go to a camp? Did you ever do anything like that? And most people are going to say something like, oh, oh yeah, I did. And then you say, oh, that's interesting. I, I did a lot of that type of stuff too. And you can strike up a conversation and then start heading toward the cross and heading toward uh, the real purpose of that. There are other people that maybe they don't have that, but they have some type of uh, spiritual interest. We used to have a track around here that Papa Sam wrote that said, are you interested in spiritual things? You know, that's not a bad question to ask somebody. Uh, maybe sometime you could go to OCCC and just sit on a bench or something there. And when somebody comes up, you say, hey, you know, I'm uh, curious about things. I'm uh, just here on campus and I'm asking some questions. Could I ask you a couple of questions? Yeah. And the first one you might ask is, you know, maybe what's your major? What are you studying? Why do you go to school here? Something like that. And then the next thing you say, are you ever interested in spiritual things? Or maybe do you think about life after death? Or do you do anything like that? You might be surprised what you hear. And there are lost people that when you talk to them about that, they answer you with questions like, uh, no. What's the follow-up to know? You could ask them, does that bother you? Do you ever wonder why you don't? And so many people do. And uh, you can tell whether they're going to be you know, engaged or whether they sh have, are going to shut you off. That's not the time to consign them to hell or do anything like that. Thank them for talking to you. Be kind to them. And maybe give them a gospel tract or something like that that they can read in their free time. And if it opens something up, go that direction. This is what Paul was doing when he went, uh, instead of a synagogue, he went out to the river. He found these people. And uh, there was a spiritual heritage and spiritual interest there that we see in this situation. And so that's where it's easy. You ever play volleyball? If you're a tall guy like I am and you play volleyball, they always love it when you're on the, on the front, you know, right in front of the net. And then you've got those other people that like to set up the ball and then you can spike it. And if you're very fortunate when you spike the ball, it busts some other guy in his nose and that's great fun. But, uh, hey, sometimes spiritual interest and a heritage. The person may not be interested, but they have a heritage. Yeah, we went to church. Yeah, we're Baptist. We're Presbyterian. We're Catholic or something like that. That is the Holy Spirit setting you up with a great opportunity to share the gospel. And so if we could see these things and take advantage of them, uh, it, it would go a long way in our personal witnessing instead of just leaving it to somebody else where we miss out on it. Okay, number two. We'll pick up in verse 16. Uh, another touch point is unexpected persecution. Now, isn't that weird? That doesn't sound like a really good thing. I wouldn't look for it. I wouldn't try to cause it. I wouldn't be um, you know, stirring up trouble or anything like that. That's not our goal. And uh, we know that the Bible calls us peacemakers 
Blessed are the peacemakers, for they are the sons of God. So this isn't anything we look at and anything that we actually want. We're not out to antagonize people or to you know, do anything like that. But sometimes it comes up. Now, while Paul is in Philippi, I'm sure as he and Silas and Timothy and Luke are all talking, they're praising God for what took place at the riverside and that type of thing, what took place with Lydia's conversion and her household. Then something else happens that they didn't plan for, that they didn't want, they didn't ask for. This is not, you know, necessarily an answer to prayer or desire or anything. It says in verse 16, now it happened. And that's not saying that God wasn't in control of it. It's just saying in the normal course of life, as far as they're concerned, they're just minding their own business. And now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination, a demon, met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. Verse 17, this girl followed Paul and, Sil and us and cried out saying, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim the way of salvation. You know what? That demon was right, wasn't he? But Paul was just like Jesus. He didn't want any publicity from demons. It's not the demon's job to testify of Christ. It's our job. Okay? And so this demon is doing what Paul was there to do. And basically he's telling him to shut up. And it says in verse 18, And this she did for many days. So uh, we're going to see in that the patience of the Apostle Paul. Now we also see in the next phrase, But Paul, greatly annoyed. You ever been greatly annoyed? Turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. Apostolic authority. And what happened? And he came out that very hour. But follow the money. Follow the money on everything. But her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone. So they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. So this is a very public, kind of a humiliating type of thing. They're dragged. They don't have any choice in the matter. There's no due process or no rights or anything if they had... Uh, check things out, they would have found out that Paul was a Roman citizen, and apparently uh, Silas may have been as well. And so uh, Roman citizens, blah, 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 citizens were to be treated differently than other people. But in this situation, the persecution comes up. Paul was monkeying with somebody else's profit, with somebody else's money, and they didn't like it, and so they take them to the authorities. Now, later on, after Paul is released from prison, the authorities, when they find out that he's a Roman, they're going to go, ah, we didn't know that, and we shouldn't have done what we did. All kinds of lawsuits and problems and everything could come out of that. And so they said, just do us a favor and just leave. And Paul said, no, you did this publicly. You're going to uh, exonerate us publicly as well. And so uh, he did use the privileges that he had as a Roman citizen. But in this situation, you notice he doesn't say anything right away. He doesn't say anything when he probably could have, and maybe in our culture we would have. 
I mean, you know, there are some people that if you treated them like this, they would be cussing and screaming and fighting and resisting arrest and doing all of that type of thing. But Paul didn't because he had a higher goal in mind in all of this. It wasn't to get his rights and his needs met. This was about glorifying and honoring the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when persecution came, he was giving, given his opportunity. So when we say, Lord, use me, and I'm kind of an introverted person, I don't know how to do this, the Lord may say, okay, well, I'll just put you in a situation where I'll take care of it, and it'll all come up. And persecution has a way of kind of spotlighting us and separating us and giving us opportunities that we normally would not have. So... Um, that may be another touch point. You may have somebody in your family that gets really upset because at Thanksgiving, I know of a person that all they did was say to their family, could we pray before we dig into the turkey? And uh, most of the family was fine with that, but there were a couple that got their feathers ruffled and it caused a little bit of trouble out of all of that, but it also started a gospel conversation. So sometimes persecution, people turning on you, people being offended. We don't purposely offend anybody, but the gospel, the Bible says, is a rock of offense. People stumble over it. And so when that happens, it may give you more opportunities than you really ever thought you would have. Number three, let's talk about another touch point. What about injustice and discrimination? Boy, those are kind of hot words in our society right now, aren't they? And uh, yet, at the same time, that's what happened to Paul. Verse 20. And they brought them to the magistrates and said, These men... Now look at the next two words. Those words are not set with, said with admiration or respect or even kindness. These men, being Jews... Anti-Semitism was really, really strong in those days, especially in that part of the world and in a colony like that. These men being Jews, and um, as we read on, the anti-Semitism probably explains why Luke, who was a Gentile doctor, and why Timothy, who was half Gentile, were not arrested with Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas were full-blooded racial Jews, right? And so these men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city. Now that's not really true. That's a little bit of uh, fake news, we might say. Verse 21. And they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans. See the separation? We're Romans. And they assumed they were not. Now they had another thing coming, but that's kind of the game that they're playing to receive or observe. Again, that's not true either because they were Roman citizens. And also, uh, what they did was not illegal even in Rome at that time. At this point of the book of Acts, really the Romans don't care about Christianity. It's just another sect of Judaism. All of Paul's persecution at this point is really coming from fellow Jews, right? Verse 22, then the multitude rose up together against them. That would be scary. And the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. 
Now, having received such a charge, he, the jailer, put them in the inner prison that would be the most secure part of the prison. Now, this next part, and fastened their feet in stocks. That's more than just chains, folks. They had something made of wood or iron or something that their feet would fit into and clamp down and hold them in place. It was customary then that they would do it spreading your legs as wide apart as they would go and then locking them in place. You know what happens when you do that? Severe cramping. A lot of pain. You can't move. Can you imagine? And so when you look at Paul in this situation... You know, this isn't a cushy situation. This isn't the kind of thing that we would like. In fact, he's probably looking at this and saying, Macedonian call, what in the world? You know, we didn't expect this, in, you know, any of this to be happening. And this is painful and I've been beaten. I'm in the inner part of the prison. They don't even give them so much as a Tylenol. If they'd had them, they wouldn't give them. And uh, so there they are bleeding and bruised. And there they are with their legs in the stocks. And it's very, very, very painful. And what would you be thinking of? Okay, I don't know that I would be singing What a Friend We Have in Jesus or anything like that. I think I'd be thinking about where's my lawyer? And uh, boy, they're going to hear from me. And when this all comes out that I'm a Roman citizen and what they have done and I've been imprisoned illegally and beaten illegally and unjustly, when they find all this out, man, are they going to pay? And I may pass the time thinking of what I'm going to do with the millions of dollars I'm going to get out of the settlement. But uh, that's why you can be thankful that uh, this... Uh, whole thing in the book of Acts didn't rest upon me, right? Because I'm not Paul. But Paul and Silas, what did they do? And the Bible says that they did something much different than we did. They used their injustice and even the discrimination was a tool for the glory of God. As we said a couple of Sundays ago, everything for the exaltation of Jesus Christ. And that's what they did. Which brings us to number four. Here's another touch point, and this is identification. And you're going to notice as we read through this that Paul and Silas, even though they were there illegally and unjustly with uh, racial uh, undertones with all of this, yet at the same time they didn't completely say, you know, we're not one of these people all around us. We're not these thieves and rapists and you know, all of these kind of things. You don't really find them doing that. In fact, I wonder how many prisoners that were there that night that we're going to see in heaven. Because the fourth one is identification. Now, one of the things that we like to do whenever we have trouble is, why me? Why me? And that's why the Bible has to tell us, your suffering in this world is not unique to you, but it is common to man and common to the brotherhood. You know, your mama always told you, look around, you can always find somebody in worse shape than you are. And that's generally true. Mama was right. And so uh, what do we do? And a lot of times we run from hurting people. We run from grieving people. We run from uh, people who um, are having trouble with things. Or we're kind of like, you know, Job's friends who uh, all they did was kind of pile on when they did that. Well, there's something powerful about us when we can identify with people and we can say things like, uh, I understand what you're saying. I felt like that myself, and here's what I found. And then you can talk to them. 
somebody is grieving and hurting and you have been through that and you say, listen, I understand where you're coming from. I know what that's like. I felt the same way you do. I wondered why God allowed me to go through this. I wondered why it was I had to hurt as much as I hurt. But here's what I found. And then you can share with them uh, maybe a psalm or maybe something comforting and then tell them about Jesus. Identification. That's why we go through things. And a lot of people have the idea that if you're a Christian, you just have this charmed life. You have a halo over your head and everything just goes great for you. And that's why you're a Christian. And so it does them a lot of good to find out we get sick too. We grieve as well. We lose our jobs too. We go through times where we have rebellious children as well. Uh, Our marriages sometimes fall apart as well. Now, we don't want any of those things. We don't ask for any of those things. But when they happen to us, instead of just sitting and whining about all of it, we need to give praise to God because here's the deal. People are watching. And when everything's going great in your life, and things are going rotten in their life, and you try to tell them about Jesus, they may kind of have the idea, even though they're polite and they listen, well, I would serve God too if he would, you know, give me a swimming pool and a fishing boat and a Cadillac and a big house, and my family's all happy too, but that's not my case. So sometimes God puts us in situations where we can say to them honestly, I understand what you're going through. I felt that way myself, and here's what I found. And it opens up something. Notice how Paul identified in all of this. Verse 25. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners, their fellow prisoners, let's say it like that, were listening to them. Now suddenly, there was an earthquake... A great earthquake, a mega earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. Now Paul is singing in there and he is doing that to glorify the Lord from his heart. But you'll notice he didn't just keep it in his heart. Now, here's the great thing. As believers, I can pray just as well silently as I can aloud. And I can sing just as well silently in my heart as I can aloud. Because that's where the Lord communes with me. He's not hard of hearing. He doesn't need me to vocalize or verbalize any of that. I can do it from my heart. That's a great thing about the priesthood of the believer. You have access to God. You don't have to be in a certain place. You don't have to be in a certain situation. You don't have to say certain things or anything like that or go through a person. You have communion with God from the heart, from the heart. And uh, yet Paul didn't do that. Paul didn't do that. He was doing it in a way that the prisoners would stop and listen. You start praying And singing hymns at that time of the night after what you have been through from the innermost part of the prison, you're probably going to get some people that are in the prison. Prisons are noisy, noisy places. If you've ever been to one, I hope you weren't in one, but if you've ever been to one and uh, you ever watched those shows on TV about it, they're noisy, noisy places. Can you imagine as the prisoners go, shh, listen, what was that? What was that? And you know that there are some things, you know that there are uh, foul words that wouldn't even get their attention. 
There's a lot of screaming and yelling and fussing and all of that that wouldn't even get their attention. But then, what is that? Is that, is that singing? What are they singing? And then they start hearing these people giving praise to God. Do you think that might have any impact? I think sometimes people watch us and they watch us when we are like them to see how we're going to respond. And here's the key. If we respond like them, then they write us off. as why would I want what they have? It didn't do any good for them. It makes no difference in their life. If Paul and Silas had responded like typical prisoners, this story wouldn't be in here and we never would have heard of anything and there probably wouldn't have been a church at Philippi. But there was something that was different about these two men. These two men were different. And so as we go through the trials and the problems of life, that identification makes a difference. I think about, I, I told my Sunday school class about this. For those of you who have been around long enough to remember uh, Tylene's mom, Miss Dixie, uh, what a prayer warrior and what a witness she was. Did I hear an amen? Yeah, thought I did. Man, every time I turned around, she had something to say about somebody that she was witnessing to, somebody she was ministering to. And uh, she was bold in all of that. And I remember one time when she had cancer, she was getting uh, chemotherapy. And I said, Miss Dixie, I'm so sorry. You have to go through it. And before I could finish the sentence, she goes, she put her hand up. She goes, oh, no, Brother Greg. Oh, no. She goes, if I didn't have this cancer, there are people I wouldn't be able to witness to. I can witness to them when I'm in there getting that. And those are people I would not otherwise see. Well, I've obviously not forgotten that. That's been a lot of years. Why? Because God has put us in places and through suffering and through pain and through trouble, you are going to contact people, come in contact, have a touch point with people that you probably wouldn't see at any other time. There's a reason for all of this. Romans 8.28 says, For those of us who love God and are the called according to His purpose. Now the world says, There's a reason for everything, and they don't know what they're talking about. But you and I do, and we're being conformed to the image of Christ, and we also are witnessing to Him. So Paul and Silas used that, and they used it effectively. Number five, here's another touch point, and that is distress and despair. You're going to find that in the world in which we live, where we ought to be happy, why is the suicide, suicide rate climbing? Why are people so negative? Why are people in such bad shape? It's amazing, isn't it? And you don't have to look very far to find people in distress and despair. Paul and Silas sure found someone. It says in verse 27, And the keeper of the prison, awakening from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing that the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. Roman law said if you let a prisoner go, you got whatever punishment that prisoner was going to have. Well, that... You know, tells you that there was uh, some criminals in here that were uh, under the sentence of death. And the Philippian jailer said, I'd rather do it myself than go through torture and humiliation and all of that. So uh, what happens, uh, verse 28 says, But Paul, 
called with a loud voice saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. And you all know the rest of the story, don't you? The rest of the story. I have found that there are some people that are not interested in listening to me except at certain times in their life. Certain times. And we've got to be watching. When you see a, in your neighborhood there's a whole lot of cars, that could be a birthday party. It also could be some people grieving and planning for a funeral. Who knows? When you hear about things, maybe, in your, maybe your neighborhood has a Facebook page or something like that, that's an opportunity just to respond to somebody and say, I'm so sorry for what you're going through. I will be praying for you and I'd love to talk to you if I could ever help you. Just little things like that. Taking a meal to someone. And um, maybe you know someone, maybe you haven't been through what they're going through, but you know someone in your Sunday school class that has. And you can make arrangements to have coffee together or do something like that. Everything for the glory of God and to know Him and to make Him known. And uh, we finish this up by talking about salvation because it says in verse 29, Then He called for a light, ran in, and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Man, talk about spiking the ball. I mean, isn't that what we want? But there are some areas and the way we respond and the way we touch other people's lives, uh, that's when we're in the right position to hit the ball over the net. And that's what happened with Paul. What must I do to be saved? So when they said... Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him. They had to explain there's a little more to the gospel than just uh, what Paul said there. And he went ahead and he shared it all with them. Then when they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house, and he took them the same hour of the night, washed their stripes, that's a side benefit, and immediately he and his family were baptized. Now, when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them. That's another perk, another benefit in there. But that's not really what we're after. And he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. You know what? The same God that did that in Acts chapter 16 can do it today. Same God that used Paul and Silas and Timothy and Luke can use you, whatever your name is, whatever your situation is. And he can use you in spite of the way you feel. He can use you in spite of the way things look. He can use you in spite of maybe the embarrassment that comes your way or whatever. Everything, everything being set up so that he can glorify his name. Which means if uh, you're going to children's camp, watch out. You may have a kid there who can't stand you and they make fun of you and they taunt you and they do all of that. Well, just remember this message tonight. Sometimes doors open up through how we respond to persecution, right? There may be another kid. He's raised in church, maybe even our church, and uh, he's got some questions, he or she, and you can identify with their spiritual heritage and their interest and you can answer their questions. On and on we can go with all of this. This may be at work. This may be somewhere else that you're going to. These are ways where the gospel can come out of your life and impact somebody else that God can use. And so 
We're going to pray for that tonight because when we say, God, give me an opportunity to witness, it may be through one of these things that we are talking about. And uh, so just be ready about all of that and don't, don't act like, um, you know, a heathen, I guess we would say, in all of this because you blow your opportunities on all of that. But ask God to prepare you and to fill you with His Spirit and to feed you on His Word so that you are ready whenever that comes and you're ready to do the right thing that it might open up a door that you might share Christ uh, with credibility. With credibility. So extremely important. And we want to pray that this would take place also this next week at children's camp, right? And so I'm going to ask us all to just come and let's just gather in the altar and uh, let's close tonight by praying for opportunities to witness, like we've talked about tonight, and for our kids and our sponsors as they go to camp, okay? So everybody, come on up and uh, join me up here at the front, and we'll have a prayer time together.